Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Koutou tato au hurihuri tenei. He hotaka e pana ki te putaiau, te taiau me te kaupapa o te ora. You're with our changing world on RNZ National. And now... Alison finds out about the many threats that face New Zealand sea lions. New Zealand sea lions are the rarest sea lion in the world. They have a threat classification of nationally critical. The total population, including pups, is less than 12,000 animals. And in the decade up to 2009, the number of pups born annually at the sea lion's main breeding grounds in the Auckland Islands halved. In response, the Department of Conservation and the Ministry for Primary Industries have drafted a sea lion threat management plan, which is currently open for public consultation. This plan is based, in part, on a risk assessment of threats, which was carried out by NIWA. The assessment was led by modeller Jim Roberts, and I catch up with him to find out what sorts of challenges the sea lions are facing. He starts by explaining where New Zealand sea lions are found. The Auckland Islands and Campbell Island in the New Zealand sub-Antarctic are um, where still about 98% of the breeding occurs for the species. But what we're seeing sort of quite excitingly and encouragingly um, in the last 20 or 30 years is the slow recolonisation of the mainland and of Stewart Island, which are stepping stone areas, we hope, um, to the eventual recolonisation of their ancient breeding habitat around New Zealand. We know from other pinnipeds that they can recover really, really quite quickly. The question is, why hasn't this happened around New Zealand? And I think they were pushed into a corner of their historical breeding range at the Orkney Islands. And in fact, the first really good effort to, uh, to count the numbers of pups and individuals at the Orkney Islands in the 70s found much the same numbers that we see there now. Um, so it looks like they might have recovered at the Orkney Islands quite a long time ago. And so what we're seeing now is a population that's bouncing around at the ceiling that the environment will allow for them. Jim says that the sea lions face a variety of threats in different parts of their range. If you compare the, the threats that we think are affecting the sub-Antarctic populations um, versus those that we think are affecting the mainland and Stewart Island, they're very different. So there's much more direct disturbance. People also shooting sea lions as, as well um, around the mainland. People walking their dogs, interacting with pups, things like that. And the way that you deal with that is very different to dealing with the threats that we think are important on the sub-Antarctic islands, um, which include Klebsiella bacterial mortality of pups, um, and uh, food limitation seems to be a problem both at the Orkney Islands and at Campbell. OK, so tell me a bit more about those, Klebsiella. So Klebsiella pneumoniae is the, the, full, the full name of this bacterium, something that if you're in a hospital and you get it can, can kill you. And at some point, at least 15 years ago, Klebsiella managed to get into the uh, New Zealand sea lion population at the Orkney Islands. There are a couple of epidemics in 2002 and 2003, and then we, we stopped looking for a bit. Um, but then it turned out that pup survival was a real issue. And then when we looked at the causes of mortality, they were finding that Klebsiella was the main cause of mortality. 
we think that at some stage in the last 10 years that Klebsiella became endemic in the population. And so one thing that we're doing, um, or that uh, people from Massey are doing at the moment, and the field team that monitors at the Orkney Islands is collecting samples from the environment, from you know soil, sand, um, from water courses, and seeing where Klebsiella is and trying to understand how Klebsiella gets in to the population and how it's persisting at the breeding rookeries. Earlier work has showed that the New Zealand sea lions at the Auckland Islands are living on an energetic knife edge, meaning that they're only just managing to find enough food. Jim says that this food limitation is another threat that he considered in the risk assessment. Food limitation, if you, if you look at lots of other pinniped populations around the world or predator populations everywhere, increasingly as we look at these populations, what we're seeing is during a period of decline um, that they're showing lots of classic indicators of food limitations. So they, they don't start breeding until later in life. Um, when they do start breeding, they take years off um, because they're not able to recover their condition. They're lighter. You know, you can, you can actually measure them and see that they're smaller. They produce smaller pups. Those pups have a reduced probability of survival. And we also see shifts in diet. And all of those things have been observed in New Zealand sea lions at the Orkney Islands. But it's problematic. It's very difficult to see what we can actually do about that because you need to relate it back to particular species, some of which we, we may be catching in, 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 in commercial fisheries. Others might be affected by climate. And, and, and to separate all of that is very difficult and you kind of have to do it in stages. Whereabouts are the sea lions feeding around the Auckland Islands? The New Zealand sea lions at the Orkney Islands um, are actually diving incredibly deep. They are um, supposedly the deepest diving um, otoriad, that's um, either fur seal or sea lion species or population anywhere in the world. And so they're actually diving quite deep. I think they go down to about five, six hundred metres depth. Um, which is really, really deep. It's, 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 it's not quite as far as elephant seals, um, but for a species of their size, it's very deep. We recently just conducted a survey of New Zealand sea lion prey species around the Auckland Islands to see how hard the females are having to work to get those important prey. And what we found was very, very low diversity um, until you get down to about 150, 200 metres. So that's probably part of the explanation as to why they're having to dive so deep, apart from competition with other sea lions, of course. If you look at the diet composition of New Zealand sea lions at the Orkney Islands, you see a mixture of things that um, end up in in commercial trawls, including hokey and and bycat species such as rat tails, and then also things such as yellow octopus, um, which we very, very rarely even see in commercial trawls. The trick, I think, there is that we're going to need to figure out which of those species are the ones that they really need. You know, it's going to be a combination of all of these things that are vital for them to recover their condition and breed and feed their pups and replace themselves. But it's working out which of those they can't do without and when is the kind of level that we need to understand this at if we're going to work out what we can actually do and which things are are just going to happen anyway and how climate might affect the availability of those prey as well. We also looked at Stewart Island as well, um, around the Stewart Shelf, and we found a much greater diversity of prey species quite close to the areas that we know that, um, that, that pupping occurs. And there should be a lot more food for them shallow than you see around the Orkney Islands. So that tells us that the growth prospects of that Stewart Island population should be pretty good in the short term at least. They haven't even got started on the barracuda and the jack mackerel that we know are quite close. And they're nowhere near starting on um, the hokey and um, the middle depth species that you find towards the edge of the shelf break and deeper, which is what the, the Orkney Islands females are having to eat. There also seems to be much more readily available food for sea lions in the waters around the Otago Peninsula on mainland New Zealand.
There was some work that was done by someone um, outside of Niwa, um, Amelie Auger, and she was looking at the foraging of Otago Peninsula females, and they actually forage quite shallow, eating jack mackerel, barracuda, um, quite nice oily prey species. This is something that you expect. When a population is at small um, size, there's less competition with other sea lions, and so they're able to pick the low-hanging fruit. If you can avoid diving deep, you will do it. You'll just eat something that's there and it's available on your doorstep. As that Otago Peninsula population grows, I'd expect them to have to start diving deeper to, 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 to get their fill. Sea lions are accidentally killed in a number of commercial trawl fisheries around subantarctic Campbell and Auckland Islands, including squid, southern blue whiting and scampi fisheries. This bycatch is another factor that Jim has considered. In the mid-2000s, commercial trawlers started using these things called sleds or sea lion excluded devices, which is essentially a little window um, that the sea lions can escape through so that they'll be less likely to be captured in squid trawl nets. That appears to have been um, effective in reducing sea lion mortality in squid trawls, although there's an issue in there that you no longer see them because um, they're escaping. And so something that people have been working quite hard to understand is, or to try and figure out, uh, is what proportion of those that um, we think are now escaping through the sled um, actually survived that process. And that's probably not an area of expertise for, for myself. Um, something that we did look at in the risk assessment, though, was various scenarios with respect to you know, the proportion that survive passing through a sled or, or, or die to see what are the population consequences of assuming different levels of mortality. And what we found was that even with the most pessimistic view of the number of sea lions that we think die and of the pups that are lost to those mothers, you don't get anywhere near um, getting back to a stable population size. Um, so there's clearly something much bigger going on um, that's affecting the large increases and de decreases in population size that we're seeing. Another threat to sea lion pups on the Auckland Islands is accidental drowning in muddy wallows. Around the back of Sandy Bay on, on Enderby at the Auckland Islands, there are lots of wallows that can suddenly open up and the topography can, can be quite different from one year to the next. And in quite wet years, um, wallows can open up and quite large numbers of pups can get stuck in them. So actually I think this is something that was first observed being a really big problem back in 83, back in 82-83. Martin Cawthorn was down there and I've got a photo, it's an absolute horror show of dozens and dozens of pups all sort of drowned in a, in a muddy wallow. Uh, more recently, it's been noted that these wallows are killing quite large numbers of pups, and it was seen as something that we could directly intervene and maybe boost pup survival by 5-10% or something like that. So um, the team, led by Simon Chilhouse down at the Orkin Islands, um, has been putting planks into the wallows so that the pups can escape. So I think it's called the Planks for Pups programme, which should um, help to boost numbers of mature animals and pupping in the future. About a third of the sea lion pups each year are born on Campbell Island. And while this population is not so well studied, it seems it has its own share of problems. Campbell Island is the second largest population and we think uh, increased from almost nothing as a breeding population up to a third of the breeding of the whole species in the last um, 40 years, 40 or 50 years. And the last few censuses that were done there found really, really high rates of pup mortality, I think in excess of 50% in the first few weeks. There's evidence of starvation being an issue. Um, wallows are also a particular problem at Campbell. And also the site that they breed is really not very nice. It's 
almost on a cliff edge. And so they're quite packed in and getting squashed by males who don't really care about pups is also another issue as well. And so I think um, if that population is going to continue to grow, um, then we're going to have to understand what's causing the low pup survival there as well. The smaller populations of sea lions on Stewart Island and in Otago and Southland face a rather different suite of threats. Stewart Island, they're actually really interesting. They're more like forest beings than they are marine animals. Obviously they get their food from the sea, but they, they, they hide their pups away up in the woodland. And we have a very, very poor understanding of whether they're you know, pup survival or adult survival might be an issue for that population, though we think it's growing though they are getting more into contact with humans as well. And we know that um, individuals have been shot down at Stewart Island in, in, in recent years. But it's a very different set of threats that have been um, affecting the, the mainland population, which is growing rather than declining. We've seen females run over by cars, hit by trains. And so what we have to do to deal with those threats and things that can affect those, those sort of fledgling populations on the, on the mainlands are quite different and may involve edu- education and public outreach and those sorts of things and just increasing awareness. These are special endemic species. We need to give them the space that they need to recover on the mainland. At small population size, male aggression, so that's uh, harassment by males, is much more of a problem. And, and I think the better place to be is when you're at larger population size, um, because then they tend to move to colonial breeding. The females can go out and feed and leave their pups um, with the other pups in the colony and know that they're much less likely to be squashed by the males. And in fact, one of your conservation objectives might be to get a population to recover to the point that it is colonial breeding, um, because then it has a much better chance of, of sticking. Once Jim had collected as much information as he could on all these different threats, he put them into population models. This allowed him to tease out what effect they might have on sea lion numbers if the threats continued as they are, compared to if they could be fixed. With the threat effects that were assumed for the risk assessment, only one um, threat, which was Klebsiella mortality of pups, seemed to bring the population back to stability. When we did our projections, um, that was the threat affecting pups that had the greatest effect on population size. And food limitation had a much smaller effect. And then um, commercial trawl mortality, assuming the most pessimistic of post-led survival of pups, um, I think came in at third or something like that. And the other threats that were identified were much smaller. I think um, a real problem here, though, is that you're kind of limited to the mortality that that you see, not the mortality that you don't see. So with respect to food limitation, like you don't very often find um, an emaciated dead adult. We just don't see them. You have to get at it quite indirectly. And so there tends to be a focus on the, the threats where you, you see the dead animal and the smoking, smoking gun. And that's the case on the mainland as well. Our demographic assessments that, that we've been doing here at NIWA um, to underpin the risk assessment suggest that there's been something like a halving of pup survival or survival in the first year of life. And I think one of the critical uncertainties of, of, this, of this risk assessment is um, that our information about the threats actually comes from quite a narrow window at which we're there looking and monitoring at the breeding site. So um, our estimation of what proportion of that mortality of pups was caused by Klebsiella is based on what we saw in the first two months and we really really don't know what happens in the other 10 months when the pups get bigger and there are more nutritional stresses on the mothers to feed them. 
So with all these threats facing the New Zealand sea lion population, what is it going to take to help the population grow instead of fall? The New Zealand Sea Lion Threat Management Plan contains a number of suggested research and management initiatives, and you can have your say on them by commenting. You'll find a link to the plan on our webpage, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. Thanks for listening to this Our Changing World podcast. You can stay in touch with us on Twitter at rnz underscore science. Matewa.